Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. Hello everyone, this is the interview queen, Alicia Too. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. This is Veggie. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling. Sammy Callahan. The one and only shot with Thunder Willie Mac. This is Shreddy Breck, aka Mr. Clangin' and Bangin'. And you're listening. You are listening to. You are listening to. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Hey, yeah. Hello, and welcome to Broken but Glorious on BBGWrestling.com. I'm Chris Lappin, and I'm delighted to be joined by He Likes Pina Coladas, Nick Davey. I do indeed, and good evening. <laughs> And your girlfriend's favorite podcaster, Lance Rivera. Hello. Nick, do you also like getting caught in the rain? I just got that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll be ordering a pina colada in a few weeks' time when the pub's open. With nice sunny weather, British Garden, pina colada to hand. I've got <sighs> ten pints. Can't wait to have a pint. Just a pint. <laughs> oh, you're both well? I'm not too bad, I'm... It's your dog wrestling school going? Oh, my dog wrestling school. It's, it's, it's coming. It's it's going. It, oh, it's, it's definitely a thing. Today, Teddy was wrestling with a balloon. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And uh, Daisy was hiding behind the sofa. <laughs> she wanted none of that. I reckon the balloon won. But I reckon the pop, the pop would have... Uh, did you see what I did there? The pop? I reckon that would have scared, uh, scared the dog. I'll tell you what. He did get a good pop from it. And then you just play CM Punk Money in the Bank 2011, and then, yeah, the pop goes out the window as well. <laughs> That's what happens when he popped the balloon. It was just the sound of the crowd in Chicago. Oh, wow. <laughs> the ultimate you pop. Been... <laughs> you been up to much, Nick? Uh, well, yep. Yeah, uh, quick plug. We've got the football pod. Um, obviously, the football podcast we mentioned on before, uh, Goals Allowed. Um, we've got the season preview podcast, which is going to be released, uh, hopefully, over the weekend. So, um, yeah, hopefully a quick plug there. Hopefully all listeners, if you are into football, uh, this new season, Zoom in next week. It'd be nice if you could give it a listen. It's a really good episode. So, um, if you're a Man United fan, um, I'd recommend listening to it because um, all of the guests are very complimentary towards Man United. Arsenal and Tottenham fans, <laughs> not so much. So, there's, there's a spoiler. I enjoyed the quiz episode that came out yesterday, I think. Was that one I did? Yes. Yeah, it was good. Hero wasn't a big fan, even though he's, I think it's because he found it way too easy. But, but uh, it was, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was good putting that together. It, I've done so many quizzes, it was so easy to sort of put together. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> All right, so I've got uh, two bits of news I want to quickly go over before we start the review. So earlier today, New Japan announced they'll be returning on the 15th of June for Together Project Special. Uh, Lance, are you excited about the return of New Japan? I'm really excited for this return to New Japan. I can't wait for the New Japan Cup as well. It's going to be great. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, following the special events, they've announced the New Japan Cup, which will run from the 16th of June to the 11th of uh, July. Um, so the winner will take on Naito at Dominion. Two matches that jump out to me from a Brit's perspective in the first round are Gabriel Kidd versus Ishimori and Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, Bushi. Both of those matches are looking like really, really good, solid matches to go for the first round, especially going forward into the rest of the, the cup as well. Yeah, I looked at the so, brackets. I think Gabriel Kidd gets to the semi-final, probably against Okada. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Sonada's year, for sure. I think that, that LIJ 
match between the pair of them. That, I think that'd be really good. Uh, and for love of wrestling, that's JBL will be appearing at the event. Yeah, no, pretty obviously a big guest. Um, I obviously won't. Sad, it's a shame that he obviously wouldn't would have been a Hall of Famer had that all gone ahead back in uh, back back in April. But um, yeah, not great. Always great to have a former WWE champion, and um, and yeah, just a see a very uh, iconic name in the industry. Has one of the best tribute videos on YouTube ever, by the way. Set to the song "Simply the Best." <laughs> I do love. I do love a montage. I will have to check that out. It goes on for fifteen minutes. Wow! Um, I'll just, just you're simply the best. Close yeah. out of hell. <laughs> and it just shows his entire reign as WWE champion. <laughs> he was um, great. Yeah. Is what is that what they needed? That was it. Two thousand four, five, six ish. Just a. Arsenal for John Cena to beat up. It's just gonna... <laughs> he was, he was, he was a really solid champion. Mm. I will say one thing: that whenever I hear JBL and um, and his reign, it always does remind me of the Paul Heyman shoot promo, and he just says, "You want to shoot, cowboy? The reason you were champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays." <laughs> I love his reaction as well. Where he spits out his beer. Yeah, I didn't and then just, just stood there like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> that was such good. That's that's all. Like, so that's not the only reason I remember his reign for, but no, uh, it just always springs to mind. But his feud of Eddie Guerrero was class as well. Really oh, brutal so feud. Judgment Day was blood everywhere. Good. Makes you kind of squeam thinking about it. And they've also announced the photo opportunities with the Rockers as a pair, and the Rockers and Bruce's Beefcake in the. Um, Barbershop set. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been amazing. That's cool. A lot of time for that. <laughs> see, I just want to see Sean through Marty through the window, and I'm, I'm, I'm feel like it might happen. Like if we ask really nicely. Yeah. <laughs> it should be like a thing you can do when you go to like the fan ex- when you go to like the fan access that you can throw someone through a window and just bring out the That'd be great. That's the insurance to be on it, but. <laughs> just, just sign a waiver. It would be fine. Or <laughs> they just make out of sugar glass would be fine. But... Yeah. It's like that guy who scaled the elimination chamber. I'm sure it'll be all work out for the best. <laughs> exactly. Hello, this is Fred Ottman, Tugboat Typhoon, the Shockmaster, the B A Double D Big Steel Man, and you're listening to BBGWrestling.com. Right, so NXT TakeOver In Your House was on Sunday. Uh, with you both being in your 20s, did you get the nostalgia feels from the show? Like Todd Pettengill and the house set and the Ico Pro ads and the WW Ice Cream ads? Well, as someone who's like, gone back and watched everything and remember things that really I shouldn't remember at all, I really yeah. enjoyed it all. Like my tag partner Jack Sinclair will often turn to me and say, "You're too young to remember this, but you probably do anyway," because there's stupid things that I I come out with sometimes, and he even he doesn't remember and doesn't understand that he's a lot older than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great when when it opened up and it was all the the original In Your House opening, and he's like, hi, I'm Tom Pettengale, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> so it's been the, the height, height of sports entertainment for five and a half years. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was it took me years. a minute to get it. 
I was sat there going, what, what's this? Hold on. I thought, this sounds familiar. Are they, are they making this a thing now? And then <laughs> I went, oh my God, hold on. <laughs> so you say, after over 50 years, the height of sports entertainment, the World Wrestling Federation proudly presents in your house. <laughs> they also got me as well because I well thought they were going to give away another house I got really excited <laughs> I was like I'm well entering this who's won a house <laughs> it's expensive isn't it these days fucking the 90s I'm sure houses are dead cheap <laughs> it was like a tenner and a pack of Rolos wasn't it <laughs> so I had to do a quick google on obviously I know who it was but I've got the reference straight away and um, yeah, after a quick google it made great sense, and I think for the older fans, it would have been a really nice, cute sort of touch to it. Yeah. Um, but I also love the fact that they did that. Really great. They've obviously uh, they have used um, obviously so some of the some of the clips from the previous um, take uh, in your house. But also love the fact they're keeping up with the traditional NXT kind of takeovers sort of sets mm-hmm. with doing the live music and everything, which makes NXT more unique to the main roster. So really glad they kept up the current NXT traditions, but by also um, addressing obviously the past and in, 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 in your house. So I think they got the opening set down to a T. Fantastic introduction to a show. I mean, WWE are always, are always great. I know I've got, but I don't think they've ever done. A, I don't think they've ever come away going, "Well, that was really poor." <laughs> video package before the show started that's one thing they always get right even if the cards even if a card for a pay-per-view is absolutely terrible they do find a way to even make you kind of ooh, kind of excited now so but, um, no fantastic introduction and um, as I say really happy they kept up with the NXT traditions as well going into it yeah and if you're looking back into our, our archives we do have an interview with Todd Pettingill which um, Pablo did for us so if, you look, if you look in the Turnshuckle playlist it's in there. Seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> so, so um, we all predicted right. Io Shirai won the title. And looks like Charlotte back off to Raw. <laughs> yeah, she looks like she's going to start a feud with uh, Asuka over the actual title now for the, mm-hmm. the Raw title. I feel like it was a very short reign, wasn't it, with the NXT title? Do you, th- do you think that it would have been that short if Becky hadn't left it? I think if Becky hadn't left, I think I think she would have held it for longer. I feel like she's gone back to Raw to fill the void that Becky's left. Mm. Definitely, I think as well. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, obviously delighted for Io Shirai. Person doesn't look com- quite good at coming out of this. Is Rhea Ripley? She lost the title to Charlotte at, at Mania. She's now obviously moved back to Raw. She's off. She's obviously um, and now lost in the triple threat. She was the one who got well, kind of got pinned, but was also about to get submitted. So, yes, um, I think it, it's with these triple threats, it's always very hard to, to obviously make everyone coming out of it looking strong. Um, and I'm sure she's not a, she's certainly not a doomed character. I know WWE always spoke very highly of her, so I'm sure she'll bounce back. I mean, hopefully, it could even turn to a real Ripley heel turn, which I think would be quite good now that she, yeah, they haven't got the really dominant female on NXT given the fact that Shane is obviously on Raw now so I think a Rhea Ripley heel turn would be pretty cool um, a feud with a face baby face and Io Shirai going forward I was going to say they, they, I feel like they'd be going into a feud next because it just kind makes sense itself she, up. yeah because yeah, they were just setting Rhea up to challenge Charlotte and for that to be their feud going forward and obviously Charlotte's had to go off to Raw now if that if that is the case that we are thinking and it's been cut short, and she hasn't been able to mm. get that big underdog babyface overcoming the odds win. 
So it kind of makes sense. And then Io Shirai's getting cheered more now, again. So it kind of just makes sense for a, a switch. Io Shirai, I think, has been... I'm delighted for Io Shirai. I think for the last, certainly, part of 2019, she was my diva, uh, sorry, woman, female wrestler of the year. Um, she, yeah, she was she was fantastic. Great baby face. Her heel turn was superb. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, but just overall, I think her overall matches, her overall matches on X two last year were of a very high standard. Um, and I think yeah, I'm really happy that she's finally got there because yeah, 2019 her Ripley. I run over Rhea Ripley. You probably could argue, probably could correctly argue that she was the best wrestler of last year. But Io Shirai certainly, in my opinion, in my opinion, was the best wrestler. But if you, if obviously, if you are going to argue, then certainly she wasn't far behind Ripley. Yes. Um, but no, really, I'm um, happy that she won, and it was a really good main event as well. Yeah, I thought it was a bit sloppy in parts, but I thought it was really a really good match. Arguably, the best match of the night, I think. I love the part where she climbed climbed the uh, the house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I felt pretty hard because I think yeah, she's absolutely deserves the championships. And again, as you mentioned, she's been incredible since her heel turn. So, yeah, so I'm excited to see where this goes. So it's one of these ones as well. I feel when you do feel a bit sorry for, I do feel this match. I think it's going to be an obviously an ongoing trend. It's something we've said before on, on shows. Um, it's, this is more of my overall, overall sort of opinion show. So, but I think with this match in particular, it did need a live crowd for the pop, but also just for the spot moments. Mm-hmm. I think it would. I think had we had there been a live crowd there, we'd have been given this match probably a lot more credit. Um, we'd been talking more about it being one of the best female matches at NXT Takeover. In fact, it been one of the best Takeover matches this year. I just feel with the lack of audience, it is hard to to give. It, it, you can say it all; it's one. Oh, it's still great. I still enjoyed it, but I just think with, when you do have a crowd there, it does just give those matches that, that extra more edge, in my, in my opinion. And I feel that this match, sadly, is not going to get the credit it does deserve because of lack of crowd. And the and the, the, uh, end- the crowd they've got just see. It. Because they're all employees of WWE, when they start making chants, it sounds so rehearsed. Like when they're doing this is awesome. Was it? And uh, <laughs> they got um, Gargano sucks to the tune of John Cena, where they're all singing it. It's just like, it sounds like they've all got together as a choir and started <laughs> rehearsed it for a couple of weeks before. I'd have more respect if. I'd have more respect that they just started doing like AEW or CM Punk chants halfway through the <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine Vince McMahon's face when it got back to him. That's one of his employees who started chanting AEW halfway through an NXT show. <laughs> well, you need you need to have half the audience in WWE shirts, half then a quarter of them in AEW and New Japan shirts, and about ten percent of them dressed as Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and the Undertaker. <laughs> they want to make them look like a ring, and then you have the board. Girlfriends, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, it's um, it always reminds me as well of the audiences. I, I did hear this on another podcast, but um, it's kind of like the pre-recorded SmackDown days when they were so heavily edited. When they're trying to push a start, they would naturally edit it when they come out and just give them a massive pop when it clearly wasn't that big of a pop. Mm. Or when like the ones that don't want to have cheer, getting cheered, they edit that out, sort of thing. Mm. So that's kind of what it feels like to me, but with a live version. That, that I've heard that um, Kevin Dunn comes over to Tyre and goes and tells them how to react to things. So it just doesn't sound organic. 
when they're doing stuff. So it's like they've just been told how to react. And it's not helping my enjoyment of the show, having the plastic crowd. <laughs> no, there's just ways they could make it better. Um, like I just think having the crowd, obviously you don't want them all to cheer for the for the hills, but I think kind of just let them, obviously have them ultimately cheer for the faces and boo the hills, that's fine, but at least just have them re- react naturally to moments in matches and <clears throat> allow them to have interactions with the uh, with the stars as well. In the sense that they, they obviously spin off, the crowd spin off and then the rest is spin off on the crowd's reaction rather than having, as you say, completely all pre-planned and completely rehearsed mm. and scripted. Yeah, no, I like how AEW worked to have it, so they have the heels on one side and the face on the other side, so they can and they they shout at each other, and just I just think that makes for a better inter. If you got to have wrestlers do it, have them out of the wrestlers rather than pretend the crowd. Yeah, I think I think that is a, a better idea. <clears throat> All right, so next is the latest offering in the WWE cinematic universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> where does Cole versus Dream rank then? With, the... With all the other ones, it was good, but I think I think it may be. The the bottom of of yes, the all of I them. I think it's definitely been the weakest one so far. I think I, I mean it was it was a good match and it was solid and it was it was entertaining like it, it kept me in, intrigued and everything. So I think out of, if we're comparing them to the other cinematic matches, I think it's definitely the the weakest of them all. So I think it start it started off promising with him. Um... Cole riding in on a monster truck, then Dream came in in his Lamborghini dressed as Negan with his bats. But I do think a pink Cadillac would have been better, as most people have been saying. Would have made more sense of his character. But I think they couldn't decide whether they wanted it to be funny or serious, so it ended up being neither. Yeah, I thought that with the Uber Uber driver, I was a bit bit confused. Mm -hmm. Because it kind of just came out of nowhere. Either play into it that this is real, or do it silly like Money in the Bank. Or do it, do it completely serious like The Undertaker, AJ. You can't read yeah. next to yeah, it. Yeah, confused me more than anything. Definitely, it's kind of it's a bit of an awkward one because I think with NXT you always expect all these sort of high high flyer, where you expect obviously just a really great wrestling match. So I think for these two to then kind of come out there a comfort zone and put on either yeah, as you say, a deadly serious, still a bit of a weird match. Or a jokey match just wouldn't make sense either way, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I, th- I think they they picked the wrong match for the cinematic match. This should have been like a serious in ring match, and maybe the um, killer cross. Yeah, definitely. Killer cross match could have been a cinematic, spooky, lots of smoke and mirrors match. They're gonna do that as just a six minute squash, then have them get battered. In a scary place. <laughs> I've not really thought about it. <laughs> no, I agree completely. That's what it should have been, in my opinion. But so it wasn't. A, I don't want to say it was a bad match because it wasn't. I did enjoy it. Um, it's hard to compare it to the others. I mean, the uh, the Firefly is completely different. Again, the um, the Taker match, yeah, still in my opinion, completely different. Money in the Bank, obviously different. So it, it is hard to compare them, and I don't think it was always. It was never going to be better than those other three. But it it was it was an enjoyable, correct winner as well. Uh, happy that Cole's reigns continued, um, as I, as we <coughs> predict last week. Well, I think I predicted. Yeah. Um, I think we all did predict it. But um, but yeah. Just I where do you go now with the Velveteen Dream as well? Which is what I've been thinking. 
especially with his, his dad, it's last chance while Adam Cole's champion. Like, where where do you go from here? I'm thinking him and Loomis go into the tag division for a bit, just to bulk it up, because there's, I think there's only like four teams. Yeah, yeah maybe. Definitely. If you want to and do then, a weird, odd, oddball tag team between the two of them. <laughs> I think it'd be good. And then where, where do you go with Cole as well? That's That's another one. Like, I'm thinking Keith Lee, but he's still going with Johnny Gargano. Yeah, depending on where the pandemic goes, you've got you've got Bala who got cheated out of his last um, NXT title match when Johnny interfered. I think it'll be Bala, Bala versus Cole. I think it'll be Bala. Yeah. Bala, Bala versus Cole, I reckon, will be the, the next takeover main event. Um, that would probably make the most sense because you... you... Killer Cross is um, going to continue on with Champer, I think. Yeah, I can't see Ch- um, Killer Cross being on NXT for very long. I think he's literally there no. just to learn a bit of the WWE style, and then he's off to the main roster. Well, especially the way they're building him. They want him to originally. He was one of the rumor matches for Cena at WrestleMania originally. Like they were, that's how high they think of him. I think so. Mm. Um, so it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think he will be around for long. With Balor as well, I think that he's had a win over Priest. I don't think the Water Feud will, will start up against the Stone. I think Water Water will be resting in, in the countries because of because of the pandemic mm. um, for a few more months. So it makes sense. Even if you have Cole beat Balor as well at the next takeover to keep Cole's run going even longer, that's fine. Um, and then just um, you can try and resume the Balor Water Feud towards the end of the year when. Hopefully things start to slowly creep back to normal. Yeah, because I think they're looking at August for the Island show. I think that that was the penciled-in date to begin with. My boss told us today they don't see us opening until August. That's a, that's a public building, so I don't want to see them yeah. opening stadiums. They can't they won't be, they won't do an empty arena pay-per-view, will they? Well, they're talking of um, the FA Cup being played the final in August in front of ten thousand people. Yeah, I've heard that they want to try and trial like at least letting people in to try and see what they see how they can make it work, which I'm all, all for good ideas. Um, so, where do you say the UK one's now in October in Ireland, isn't it? Oh, is it October? I thought I was thought it was. There. I thought they, it was August. They, it was in August. I think they've moved it to yeah, they've moved it to October now. October 30th, it's near near the end of October, so there's a chance that could work, and if it's quite a small venue, then you could even potentially run it, but as I said, we don't know, the whole thing's changing on a day-to-day basis, some of those it's looking very good, some of those obviously not, so yeah, <laughs> we, we, we don't know with stuff like that, I know, I imagine when it's hard to compare it with sort of offices, because offices, you simply can work from home, there's no real other need than going in, but then with wrestling shows, obviously that doesn't work without sort of uh, crowds, especially in, in England where there's no, where there's lack of sort of televised and you said they wouldn't bring, WWE wouldn't bring it over here to then not do it in front of crowds. So yeah, who knows? October is a, a long, long time away. So we don't know when, how things will change up till then, but I imagine for a case of a solid build up to the next takeover, Bala, cold work, and then, you could even potentially do an angle then to build it back into the... the I know Paul Balor gets screwed again, but it brings him back into water, but then that keeps Balor looking strong and even keeps Balor versus Cole further on down the line for even long-term booking. You could even mm. build again Balor, to, Balor versus Cole at the, the takeover on the Mania weekend next year. So that's the good thing about wrestling. You can always you can always 
a delay is never a bad thing. Sometimes it can actually aid a, a feud as well if you have yes. got um, things. Obviously, no one wants things to go wrong, but uh, if you are to take positives out of negatives, then say it could be worth the wait, as they say, but also do the feud a bit of good, a bit of good as well. Cool. And then uh, <clears throat> probably the last match we'll concentrate on this bit. Keith Lee retained the NXT North American Championship against Johnny Gargano. I thought this was good, but it was missing something that made it great. I thought it was match of the night, to be honest. Same. I thought it was, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like, I, thought, I thought 20 minutes is too long for a standard match with no fans. I think if they shaved five minutes off this, I would have loved it. I think it just got, I, it dragged a little bit towards the end. I did love Johnny Ogano's Mandalorian attire. Um, his heel work is improving a lot. So I'm not down on it. I just Lee thought it was missing something. I thought Keith Lee selling was amazing. Like to make it look like he's because obviously such a massive man, and compared to Johnny Gargano, Johnny Gargano mm. looks quite small. To but to make it look like he um he was a genuine threat to him and that he was really hurting him. It I I don't know. It just I thought his selling was amazing. It just made him very empathetic. Definitely, I think um I completely agree with you. I think it was match the night. Um, and again, I'm sorry, I don't mean to repeat myself, but it was like I said with the main event. I think, Chris, I'll get your opinion on it. And part of me kind of wants to agree, but then I don't want to contradict myself. <laughs> but I, I think, um, again, it falls under the same trap. I think had you have a live crowd, I don't think you would have said, oh, yeah, it needs to knock five minutes. So I think you'd have loved it. You'd have said, That's that's what I, I just don't, I, can't, I don't think you can do these 20, 25 minute matches. Yeah. Against nobody. I get that, and I think that's where it just it simply it falls down with the lack of audience is going to sadly not make these matches classics, and it's going to affect the overall show. Because I think with this takeover, as I say, as a whole, I do feel that all the matches were, were really watchable. It was a very good show, very solid show. But it's not one of these takeovers I'm going to always I'm going to remember at the top of my head. So going, oh yeah, that was a classic takeover. That was a classic takeover. You have to take your while and go, actually, yeah, that was a good takeover sort of thing. So mm. I, I just feel it all falls under the same problem of lack of audience. It does affect a show. I think I felt this way after the AEW Double or Nothing show. It was a great, solid show. There's nothing to really moan about, but you don't come away buzzing, buzzing to an extent because of, as you say, it just doesn't have the, the real amazing moments with the fans cheering and what have you. And sadly, I just feel with this match as well, whilst it was match tonight, it did need another live audience for, again, for their actions. Because I think Raniello as well, I also got a feeling with how amazing he is on commentary, that he almost sounds better when he's got an audience behind as well, which sounds a bit stupid, but yeah. given the fact that he, obviously the commentators have got nothing to do with the audience, but it kind of does, I think, when you especially got yeah, fans cheering. I often feel like the commentators will feed off the, the audience as well. Definitely. And they sound loud as well, obviously, because they want to get their opinion across. If an audience is obviously screaming all, like, all sorts, and then they need to obviously raise their voices, but if there's no one in the audience, then naturally they're not going to scream as loud as possible because it's just natural human reactions, really, isn't it? If there's if there's not a lot of noise. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's what I take. I just think it, it did need the audience. I think it's uh, it's sad that these these shows aren't going to be remembered as well as they should be because the I COVID think era. Few, yeah, like if if there was a crowd, like in a, in a few years, I feel like these are the matches that people will go back and watch and be like, oh yeah, that that was good. It'll be on like the hidden gems of WWE, you know, on the on the network. Hmm. Because people, still think... 
forgotten because of it's that time period where there's no crowd, no one's there to go, oh, I was there when this happened, or I was there when this happened. And it, oh, it's just, it just feels like a bit of a shame. Cause like, However, you... though... Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, to argue with that, the fact that, the fact that we're living through this, the fact that, nights, I don't know, when, say when we all, well, we're, obviously when we've got kids and stuff that aren't born yet, and you go... I know they're interesting. You may go in 10 years, 10, 15 years' time, 20 years' time. You may go, actually, yeah, we lived through this. Do you want to see what the wrestling shows are like during the COVID era and everyone was locked in? Funny enough, it was in your house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everyone was, sorry. Everyone was locked in. We, this is what, what WWE was doing to keep um, to keep everyone entertained and they were still battling through, well, probably a stupid thing. We'll probably still be saying it in 20 years' time. It was stupid. They were continuing, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. We'll, so you might still watch them in that regard, but is to, to make people believe it that this was actually a thing and this is how we kept going how WWE kept going yeah, when, I, when, I, when I spoke to Ty, um, Ty Valkyrie last night she said she hasn't she, it's not really bothered her being in the empty arenas because she when she started she was arrested in front of five people and she, she just doesn't she just took her back to the indie days when she started sure <laughs> and that's the thing I've got so much respect for the talent for still doing it and and as I say I don't want to um, put any down or any matches like like this, but I just feel for the I just feel as a as a fan watching from home, especially that when you are watching with a live audience, it do, it does just make a match better. I know some wrestlers might come by and go, actually, that's probably one of the best of ever performed. Just a shame there was no audience there. It just feels from from me, from me watching it, it does affect the quality. One thing I just need to quickly mention as well in this match. What I did like as well, just a simple bit of booking. Uh, when when Candice LeRae came out, I do love the fact that Mia Yim was literally straight away behind her. There was no <laughs> this. Well, the thing is, it was just simple. Like if you are thinking, if you are like the way this has been booked in the storyline, you are Mia Yim. You're thinking actually, Candice LeRae probably will come down at some point to try and help Jolly Gong. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go and hide right behind. So that when she comes out, I'm right there. Just a I'm simple surprised because of... during their match they went and started fighting. Into the garage. I'm surprised they didn't just start fighting back out of the garage. <laughs> That's what I was expecting. I thought that. I am Miles Cayman, and if you want to be miles better, listen to the Broken but Glorious podcast now. It's time for the first round of Question of Sports Entertainment. Nick, you are. What about the pre-show? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. It is indeed. Now, so for the oh, what one we do first? So yeah, uh, got a couple of rounds here. It's just going to be obviously um, yeah, Chris versus Lance this week. So for the round one, it'll be the same format. You both get five. Well, it'll be like a, a penalty shootout, um, but I will be t- every point you get will go towards your overall score. If that makes sense. So yeah. I think for this one, yeah, you just get five hits each. It doesn't matter if you win by how many points. So five goes each. But I want you to name me. Mentors, so pros from NXT season one and two, because um, I'm, I'm, I think um, obviously with um, NXT doing a bit of a, a bit a bit hot at the moment, with it being a year, uh, sorry, ten years since the Nexus angle. So yeah, that's ten years. Ago. So I believe that was ten years ago. I, I could, no, I proper spun me out. I remember I was doing my exams at my my GCSEs at the time when when it <laughs> happened. And um, yeah, ten years since that. What that was a, a lot. What, what a roar that was! <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so wrestlers—they're the mentors from the wrestlers on seasons one and two. 
you can name. I think there's 15 to get. So um, whoever wants to go first, I'll let you decide. Lance, do you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So I'm going to go with Dolph Ziggler straight away. Um, no. No? Yeah. Not on my list. We'll just double check, but... Um, no. Maybe it was season three. Was there a season three? <laughs> yeah, there was a season three where the women, uh, where they did a female one, which he wasn't, he was a mentor on that, so... Oh. Yeah. Apologies. It's just season one and two I'm looking for, because I didn't want to have too many answers, so... <laughs> and then also on season three and four, they started changing the mentors sometimes halfway through, so... Just confusion. <laughs> I thought I'd just do one and two and they're the same ones throughout. Okay. Yeah, uh, the Miz. Use The Miz is correct. He was mentor for Daniel Bryan in season one, then Alex Riley on season two. I'm going to go with R Truth. R Truth is correct. I believe he was David Otunga's mentor on season one. Yeah. Oh. Lay cool. Lay Cool is correct, yep. Yeah. Lay Cool's correct. And they were indeed Caval's mentor. Yeah. <laughs> I did that promo where he mentioned TNA. <laughs> was Christian one? He was indeed. Um, he he Slater's mentor, I believe. Carlito was one. Yep, yeah. Carlito's correct. It was Michael Tarver's. <laughs> Your fourth go, Lance. See, I want to say Daniel Bryan, but I think he was season three. He was one of the competitors on season one. He was the competitor on season one, but I think he was a mentor on season two. I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan. He was a mentor oh. on season four, I'm afraid. Oh. <laughs> so Derek Bateman, better known as EC3. Yeah. Um, so your fourth go, Chris. Shit. <laughs> Chris Jericho. Yep, he was uh, yeah. Wayne Barrett's mentor. Yes, yeah. Your last go, Lance. I'd recommend getting this one right to keep it interesting. <laughs> oh God, this is going to be a tough one. Um, for some reason, all I can remember is the ones from season three. Oh my god. Um Was Vicky Guerrero one? Vicky Guerrero was one on season three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I can tell you all the competitors, I still think you Yeah. Well, you've got a two. You could go. You've got a two, two, two point lead. You could potentially have a three point lead with the correct answer. MVP seems like some correct. Yes. Um, I can't tell you who is who he was mentor for. Like. That that's one two as well. Two. Yeah. It was season two. Um, others you could have had. Let's go anyway. So you got. <laughs> it was five five two to Chris in the first round. So you need a bit of a bit of a comeback in round two, Lance. Um, others you could have had Matt Hardy CM Punk William Regal Kofi Kingston Cody Rhodes Mark Henry John Morrison and Zack Ryder Phil mm. CM Punk CM Punk mentored um, he was on season one I think he was 
Um, Matt Hardy was Gabriel. I don't know who Punk had. Um, who did Punk have? Um, oh, Darren, Darren Young. Darren Young. <laughs> so I was thinking, no, you, can't, you can't have been Ryback, so you'd hate it. That's probably why you hated him. <laughs> William Regal. William Regal had Ryback. Yeah. Hardy, um, Hardy had Gabriel, Barrett, Jericho. Um, how come I wrote Wade Barrett down? I think I made that right. I wrote that down next to Jericho. Yeah, Jericho had Barrett, R Truth had a Tunga, Hardy had Gabriel, Christian Slater, Punk, um, Young, Regals, Sheffield, and then um, The Miz had Brian and Carlito, Michael Tarver. I can't believe I got all that wrong. <laughs> Ruined my mood. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy Hot Fire, and you tuning in to Broken But Glorious. Right, so Backlash is this Sunday. Seven matches announced so far. Um, you excited for the event? Do you know what? After the Christian promo on Raw, yeah. That wow. promo to I'm buzzing for that. It kind of got me. I saw your tweet, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm pretty hoping to watch Raw probably tomorrow. I'll watch it, but I am looking forward to it because I, I saw your tweet and I was like, hmm. Oh, this looks good. Then I just typed Christian's <laughs> name on Twitter and I saw lots of similar tweets. So I was like, oh, good, 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 good. So we might as well start with the match that's been billed as the greatest match of all time. My first the question greatest match ever! <laughs> greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> well, is it even going to be the best match this week with AJ versus Brian on Friday? In the uh, it's Continental Tournament. Final. I don't think it's best match, best match of the night, to be honest. <laughs> Do you think that's why you know the, the tournament finals on SmackDown rather on the pay per view? So, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've seen I'm a couple gonna... of theories. I've seen what one theory where it's it's going to be a big swerve and it's going to be a finger poke of doom moment, and they're going to become RK, uh, rated RKO again. Don't say that. <laughs> I've seen one where the, yeah, yeah. Edge is so ramped up that he just he goes to do the spear straight away, gets punched in the head, and that's the end of the match. Yeah. <laughs> See, I just don't think they can just have a normal match because it won't be the greatest match. They have to do something shocking. I feel like after Monday, I feel like Christian might be the one. He'll come out and do something like he'll turn on Edge. Mm. I have this feeling because he, he never officially retired and then he did and then said he always never wrestle again. But Edge also said the same thing. It's a di- bit different injury, though. It's, it's, it's too many concussions versus a neck injury. Well, so Daniel Bryan had a similar thing, didn't he? Oh, that's that, that, that was a neck injury as well. That was a neck injury as well, yeah. But it was, it was to do with his concussions, the second one. Oh, yeah, it was the cane, yeah. Yeah. It's, it'd be an interesting one. I mean, yeah, as you say, you'd never formally... Well, you kind of have heard him retired, but you just don't know. Who would have, no one would have said Edge would be back wrestling, no one. So how long it was since he like well Brian no one's gonna be back he, that came he came back and wrestled so um, we don't know so I can't say much. I haven't seen this promo by Christian uh, so I don't know really what was said looking forward to hearing it but um, obviously I know Christian did have a massive well one of my favourite rivalries back in 2011 with Randy Orton as well so um, if they are going to throw Christian into <coughs> the mix I'm all for it. It's like the one more match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was when that's I just started watching again. <laughs> that's what. The, that's when I was a massive watcher of wrestling, sort of around that time, because I was at college and it was just I didn't have much time. <laughs> so, <sounds a> bit <laughs> pretty wondering what my education was like, but um, 
Sorry, I had too much time on hands with what I meant to say. Um, but the um, the yeah, it was um, it was a great feud. Um, so they are throwing Christians this. I'm I'm all for it because there's so many cool ways you can go. If they're going to reunite Edge and Christian, reunite RKO, have it Christian turn on Edge. There's yeah, so many possibilities. But on the on the topic of the one last match thing, um, after Christian won the title at Extreme Rules in the ladder match, I remember being so happy for him, like proper buzzing, because it was like his first major title in WWE, like his first heavyweight title. And I went round my friend's house on the Saturday, so SmackDown was on the night before, <laughs> and I was thinking, I was just thinking to myself, oh, nothing, nothing major will happen. I'll watch it when I get home. Get to my friend's house. He opens the front door. He looks me dead in the eyes. And went. Christian's just lost the heavyweight title, and I went. That was a poor general manager by Teddy Long. I called him accountable. When he came out and um, he gave power to the people, he was like, "When's he ever done that before?" He goes, "I was. I think we need to have a championship match tonight, but I'm not going to decide. I'm going to let the people decide." <laughs> but in all fairness, that's when SmackDown SmackDown was really good then when they did. Um, I thought that was a really good time. So I mean, I'm quite biased towards 2011, but it was a really good. SmackDown was very good at the time with the uh, Orton Christian feud. Yeah, uh, the whole time Teddy Long was in charge. It seems to be full of love. <laughs> <laughs> he sent Christian around the bend, and I still don't forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> right, so next up is the WWE Championship match. Oh, hang on, you can say who's going to win. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'll say, uh, I'll go simply go as Edge won it at Mania, Randy Orton, Randolph Orton. I, I think it'll, it'll be Edge because you can't, I feel like you just can't have him lose yet. I'm, I'm liking that he's so eager to fight that he goes for the spear straight away and gets punted in the head. I like that theory, so I'm going to go down that line. And it's it literally lasts 10 seconds. See, if I have Christian turning on him, though, um, he, he has to lose. So I'm a bit like, oh. But that's just me fantasy booking, so I'm, I'm still going to stick with Edge. Yeah, so Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, WWE Championship. I feel like this is a, a pretty foregone conclusion, to be honest. I've heard some people say that they, Bobby's going to win and then he'll face Brock at SummerSlam. And that MMA dream match everybody wants. See now, I'm actually want Bobby to. To be fair, I'm ha- one thing I, I don't. I, to be honest, I, sounds, sounds rude, I don't really care who wins now. But one thing I'm just happy about is at least they're doing something with Bobby Lashley. For the mm. love of love of God, that was painful to watch his feud with Rusev last year. Which is, I mean, when Bobby Lashley came, I was there. I was there in New Orleans when Bobby Lashley returned. <laughs> um, that was uh, when he came because my mates were like. Oh, pretty underwhelmed I was buzzing I was like I remember Lashley being unstoppable sort of thing I admit that it was at the time I wasn't really watching the wrestling lot but I still remember Lashley just being a beast and then remembering more for actually when he was out of WWE as you said as you have to see so um, and I presume that was always the dream match they would lead to but um, so it would be a very bumpy way the way they got to him and Lesnar but um, I was quite like it and to be I would feel really sorry for Drew however and again, looking at a positive, if Lashley was to win, at least then you can have Drew reclaim the title at some point in front of a live audience. So you could even potentially have Lashley beat Drew here. Lashley's back to a main event star. He's got credibility again. Have him versus Lesnar in the dream match, uh, with or without fans. Then you can then have Les, uh, Drew take the belt back off, ideally Lesnar, maybe so if crowds are allowed back, so the Survivor Series or, or yeah. 
and it gives Drew that. We, can, we could definitely do Bobby and, Les- and Lesnar without the title. There's that as well. I don't. I don't want to see Drew lose the title. Like we've just, he's just won it. I get that, but at least he would win it back in front of a live audience. And I, su- I suppose, but I, f- I want. I want to see him walk walk out with the title at, at that first show back. And it'd be a big moment where we're all like, "Oh, we're finally going to get to see Drew with the title." Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't. After that big moment of him looking down the camera, and he's like. You you did this. You we did this. Oh, wouldn't it be just so like anticlimactic? His first defense, he goes up against <laughs> Bobby Lashley, and he just goes out. Lol. Yeah, I see. I get that, and I'm 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 probably more thinking in a very unrealistic, and I'd probably end up as soon as it happened. I'd probably end up being so hypocritical next week on the on the show. Um, but then also as well, we always criticise WWE being too too blatantly obvious booking would this be <laughs> again it's going to be a bit contradicting because he'll be sort of saying oh this is just typical WWE they've built up a new star now they've had him they've done they've sort of given him the fiend book and they've completely wrecked a fresh star but then you've yeah. also could be a bit excited going hang on they've just given Bobby Lashley a major push out of nowhere they've actually given his credibility back and wow I didn't see that coming that's a good a surprising shock I've always really liked Bobby Lashley like, really liked him as well. But I just don't feel like... It, it was Drew's time. It was Drew's moment. And then I feel like for his first defence, he comes out. He'll, it would be this big moment he comes out with the title and his first defence, and he'll lose. And you're like, oh, okay. I just think they're trying to do too much with Bobby Lashley. He's just... They should just bring him in as the big guy who does the Dominator as a finisher. <laughs> he doesn't need a big personality and being love story storylines and... Well, Just I think I destroy people. I hope that does become the fit. I like I like MVP's management. Mm. makes is good, really yes. good decision. I think what I'm hoping maybe might happen, and if it really is to win, I'd have I'd have maybe Alana cock up while she comes out trying to think she's been helpful, and she ends up messing everything up, and then. It leads to a Drew and next night on Raw you could have just Lashley just sacks her off altogether, divorces her, and then it's just mm. Lashley and MVP going forward. Yeah, would you like it to yeah. be like a become a become a faction or just keep MVP to be MVP and Bobby like the Paul and Brock dynamic? Yeah, definitely. Well I and like actually even... MVP wrestle as well, so I feel like it'd be it'd be a good faction as well. Because you don't have to be a tag team, but they can be affiliated with each other. Yeah, I think MVP looks amazing at the moment. Is he nearly 50 or just turned 50? Um, I'm sure he's getting that way. I can, I can mm. have a look now. He's older than we think, yeah, because he, he debuted quite old as well. Yeah, I'm sure he's in his late 30s when he debuted in the WWE. So. I remember yeah. his debut. Well, I think cause he debuted in like 2006 around that time, didn't he? And mm. Already in like 2009, they're calling him a veteran, so... Yeah, and everyone's just laughing at his, his costume, his uh, costume, his attire. He's 46. 46. Yeah, so. yeah, so he was 30 when he debuted. Age is nothing, though. Jericho was 50 and was the youngest AEW champion. <laughs> <laughs> See, MVP's another one that I've always really liked as well, so I like them together, because it's it, them two together, I just really like it. I like the both of them. I really loved that mid card when it was MVP and Chris Masters and Carlito and Finley all found that US title scene. I thought it was, and you feel that great. Hardy's in there and stuff. It was really Matt Hardy versus MVP was a good feud. Yes, like looking back on it best now, best you think, 
Like, if we went back there now and we all sat there and booked a show on that, you'd think they were going to be the future of the company, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. To Kennedy and. Oh. And you flash forward now. My beer. You flash forward now, and not one of them are even in the company except for MVP and Bobby Lashley. Oh, the heart. Jeff's there, but Matt's gone. Finley is, isn't he? Finley's. Oh no, he got. Did he? Did Finley, he... Finley got. Oh yeah. Fired. Furloughed at the moment. Furloughed. But I mean, you think? Oh, they. Finley might have held the title, like the heavyweight title, at some point, maybe, or something. Mm. It's just mad to look back now and think that a lot of them just aren't in that, just aren't there. Like, Mr. Mm-hmm. Anderson's nowhere to be seen at the moment. He's in NWA. I was going to say, he's the tag team champion, but he's not. Eli Drake and James Storm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he was, in a, he was in a tag team with um, Colt Cabana, wasn't he? But Colt Cabana's Colt not Cabana, in the yeah. <laughs> Uh, Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morris. Hey, hey, hey. Braun Strowman, oh. isn't it? Yeah, I would like to see it. Miz and Morrison win. I think it would be really entertaining if they were dual WWE champion. I was thinking, what? How are they going to do it? Is it going to be the first person to pin gets the title, or is it they're going to be dual champions? It'd be like Lake Cool, won't it? They'll split it yeah. in half. Split the title <laughs> in half. Uh, that could be I'm... interesting. So, it'd be great. Sense. Sammy Zayn and somebody did it. Kevin Owens. It was it Kevin Owens? They had a handicap match for a title. Yeah, against AJ Styles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I predict this match is going to be, be drawn, runs into lots of things, and then get to them, picks them both up and power slams them. It's not going to be a long match. <laughs> I'd like to see John Morrison do some really mad flips, though. I don't know. I think it could be really interesting if they got the Miz and Morrison to be joint champion. Just, I I feel like everyone I've spoken to about this match that everyone thinks it would be really interesting for them to win, but I just feel like they, they won't. Especially, yeah, as they're one of the most entertaining things on SmackDown at the moment. The vignettes they do, <laughs> they're just really entertaining. They always have been. I think when Miz was champion last time, they never really gave it a feud as well. Miz and Morrison, I think they just sort of. I think they just gave it a title match on Raw one one week. I don't. I don't think they ever had a proper feud for the title. So I don't think they they got a pay per view match even. This versus they did. Morrison. They did have a one pay per view match, um, which was, was it for the Trouble Threat. Title? Yeah. It was oh the triple yeah, yeah. Threat the Trouble Threat. But that was more of a thinking back on it now. That was more of a, a way of I mean, that was more of a Ms. Morrison R Truth feud at the time because of mm. um, uh, well, that was an R Truth turned heel, which was fantastic by the way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Strowman. Yeah, no, um, I think it was because Morrison was out of the company quite quickly because they did have a title match on Raw and Miz gave him the skull crushing finale on the stage because it was forced out anywhere. Yeah. And then he was just never seen again. And I think that was when he left. His last match was the, the title match. Yeah, I, I want Miz and Morrison to win, but I think Strowman's going to win just to make him look super strong because I think they are building to a Strowman fiend at SummerSlam. Yeah, it, it, it just it derail a lot of things, but I think it'd be very, very entertaining. Be entertaining, even if it was just till a month. Yeah, that's what I thought because you can't really have a dual, dual wrecking, champion wrecking things. Yeah, just streaming, destroying things for a whole month, but till he gets his rewatch. So. Yeah, and they're like doing talk shows and things, and he just appears out of nowhere, and you're like, oh. <laughs> and you just run through the middle of them. 
Mm. I'd love it as well if they split the title in half and they're just wandering around with half a belt each. <laughs> <laughs> or even if you, if you have them both holding it like um, like a football shirt, you know, when you get a new sign-in and the manager mm. and the, the players there are holding it together. Mm. So many yeah, funny things that those two could do with it. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to just pick them because I want them to win. <laughs> and if, if you can will it into reality... <laughs> So I'm guessing they're going to have a, another pay-per-view between now and SummerSlam. They'll usually have one mid-July. I think that was supposed to be in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. I've got a feeling that was the original, I think it was where it was planned, or Kansas City. It was, I was looking, only because I was looking at their schedule last night, because for that reason alone, thinking, well, there must be a July pay-per-view. Um, and it's still not saying SummerSlam's cancelled and not well. It's still saying SummerSlam's in Boston, which is obviously not going to happen because Boston will confirm there's no activities until September. Um, well, I don't know why it's saying that for Extreme Rules in wherever that is, is wherever the location of if it is St. Louis or Kansas. But, um, but yeah. They may always push it back to September, like early September. Because <clears throat> I believe it has been in September before, hasn't it, SummerSlam? Yeah, they could push it back a month. Like not even like a four months, just like a couple of weeks to like the the, the first or the second. I don't I don't know what the days line up as. Um, so who do you think's gonna win, Oscar or Jax for the o- Oscar? Oscar, yeah. If she can make it out of the match alive, that and Nia Jax botch. Yeah, Nia Jax <laughs> Nobody's ready for Oscar. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Oscar. Um, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Jeff. I'm yeah. thinking Seamus just to keep the feud going. I think this one is this could be one of them who did it storylines. Even though we all know it's Seamus, but it could be Braun Strowman's brother because he only saw a beard and ginger man. <laughs> Brain Strowman. What <laughs> 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 I say, Braun Strowman? I mean, uh, I meant uh, Eric Roman, Eric Roman's brother. Who appeared for that one episode? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Jeff said he only saw a tall ginger man. So yeah, it could have been the joke. Could be Roman's, anyone. It could be Roman's brother because he's got form as well, right? With the Roman Reigns. <laughs> it could. It could be. Uh, it could be Beaker. <laughs> got a serial killer on SmackDown. Return of the Muppets. <laughs> then we've got uh, Bailey and Banks versus Bliss and Cross versus the Iconics for the. Um, tag Team Championship. That's a hard uh, one, you know. Oh, it depends just won it. Yeah. Depends what they the Iconics getting it. Yeah. Because I feel like if they want, they're wanting to set up this match for SummerSlam, it might be a good time to do the miscommunication stuff and be like, have them lose it and then start building it more and then have them have a rematch at the next pay-per-view for mm. them to lose again. Maybe have Alexa and Nikki get it back. I feel Iconics, like new... I think the Iconics it will suit them as well because they won the belts originally at WrestleMania in like a fatal four way. So I think yeah, yeah I'm gonna go Iconics. I might. I think an Iconics and then they take it to Raw and then Charlotte and Oscar win it. <laughs> We're just what, moving what, what, it around on? from everyone. Yeah, yeah. Just because the WWE love doing the. We're feuding, so we need to become tag team champions. Storyline, I don't think they've done it in the women's division yet. So. They do love doing that. <laughs> to be fair, I've always liked that. 
a voice like that is a is a thing. So I, I can't don't mind it every now and then, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, not all. It happens every second. How, how many times have you seen him and Seth Rollins and Shawn Michaels happen? It it's happened to them. I was going to say it happened at WrestleMania 23 with Sean and Cena. Then it didn't yeah. happen for ages, and now it's just it's every other week. <laughs> Right, last match, we've got uh, Polo Cruz versus Andrade for the US title. Uh, I think Polo Cruz is going to keep it. Yeah, Polo, keep it on him. I'm going to go Andrade. I think I think they've just done this mini push. I'd like to say Andrade because like I'm a big fan uh, of Andrade. Do you think they're going to do a cinematic match out of any of these matches? So it seems I think to be... the most likely one would be the, the handicap match, I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, the handicap. Yeah, it's probably the only likely one. Um, yeah, but I'm not. I feel like I feel like they feel like they have to now. They can think of something really interesting for Edge and Orton to do in the cinematic well, thing. Yeah, that. Could... Oh yeah, that of course. Yeah. But well, uh, Strowman versus Miz Morrison could be really entertaining. I think it'd be one of those two. Now that you said yeah. it. This is the professional Nathan Cruz, and you are listening to Broken But Glorious Podcast, because like me, you are head to toe a pro. That's time for the final of a question of sports entertainment. Okay, so as we just mentioned, it's Backlash this weekend. So, and the last Backlash was in 2018. So I want you to name me wrestlers who competed at Backlash 2018. And there is some very niche names on here, I will say. Oh some blatantly obvious ones didn't compete. Um, 2018. 2018. Um, I I think I remember two matches. So I think I think it's the right pay per view. <laughs> and it's Chris Devoe first. Okay. Um, Roman Reigns. Correct. Seth Rollins. Correct. Roman Reigns faced Samoa Joe in the main event. He did indeed. For some reason. <laughs> Just because they're both some Oh, yeah. No, I remember this <laughs> one now. Nakamura. Yep, Nakamura's correct. He was against AJ Styles for the WWE title. He was. That's all, that's all the matches I remember. Because <laughs> um, that, the, 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 why isn't this number? Why isn't this an event and it's the WWE title? <laughs> was that the double dick kick city? It was, yeah. So they <laughs> Do you know what I remember watching that? It's um, at Crash's house with a crashing glitch, and I remember rewinding it to look at the timing of that dick kick, mm. of how perfect it was, of how they both nailed each other at the same time. <laughs> it was unreal. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I believe that Daniel Bryan was on this show. Yep. I'm trying to think who Seth was against for the Intercontinental title. Um, Kevin Owens? Uh, that is correct. Uh, was Dolph Ziggler on this show? Uh, no. That man has let me down twice today. Well, Chris has won, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, alright, mate. Was, was Owens teaming with Sami Zayn in a match? He was indeed. Yeah. So Chris has got two five out of fives, and Lance, you you can have a last go just for pride. <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't need to be humiliated anymore. 
who, who was Seth against in the IC title match? Uh, he was against The Miz. The Miz. That was our match of the year for a while. I remember that now. Yeah. The others you could have had were Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Big Cass, Carmella, Charlotte Flair, Braun Strowman, and Bobby Lashley. Who's a big cast wrestle? Daniel Bryan. Oh my god, yes he did. That was Daniel Bryan's first match back, wasn't it? It was his first singles match back. Yeah. Well, yeah. First singles pay-per-view match back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It was um, a terrible pay-per-view. An awful one. I really hope Backlash is better. I, I remember us loving the Seth Miz match and then hating the rest of the show. In our review. It wasn't See, I that thought was it was great. That was a great match, um, but yeah, it was an awful pay per view bar. The open, the, the open match was really good. Seth versus the Miz, but yeah, the overall pay per view was horrendous. You just would not go back and watch it on the network under any circumstance. Maybe it was the Seth match, but then you just stop watching and flip. I thought that Seth was facing Dawson for on that show. I thought that was the, the time when they were doing those really mad matches together. No, I, I, I only think I, I only remembered because it was. I watched the video the other day, and it was like worst main events in WWE history, and Roman Reigns <laughs> and Samoa Joe was on that. I say, oh, Joe. Knew them, knew them <laughs> I miss Joe. Yeah, I love Joe. Consumers, this is the AirPod God and MLW star Richard Holiday, and you are not only listening to the Broken But Glorious Wrestling Podcast, but you are momentarily breathing rarefied air. Alright, it's time for our BBG Big Debate. So last week's question was the greatest match in NXT TakeOver history. And here's the results. In last place, me and Lance. (laughs) 27%. (laughs) Sad face. Only sad faces. Like breaking your like six week run or something. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Finally, I'm, I know. Beaten. <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I feel like people have completely slept on my pick. It was an amazing match. <laughs> right, so that means Nick, you're the winner. Uh, Gargano versus Champa from New Orleans, 2018. Which I, I think there. you were there for. Yeah, I was there indeed. Yeah, <laughs> Where Where you there, Nick? I was there. Forty six percent. <laughs> Clearly, our fans agree with me. Mm. Right, um, so, Nick, Nick, what were you debating this week? Then? So, this week we are debating, as I mentioned, well, try, I didn't want to spoil it earlier, but, um, as it's um, been 10 years since the Nexus debuted, and after a recent interview of, I can't remember which podcast he was on, Darren Young basically said apparently they were planning on Nexus reunion of some kind at WrestleMania, which got me really excited, but mm. COVID affected those plans. Uh, which got me. I got loads of questions, but I won't ask them. Um, anyway, <laughs> I want, for the debate, I want you to name me the best invasions. So I'm not talking about a whole angle, just simply an episode of or pay per view or what have you, or just a show where there wasn't an an invasion did take place. Mm. So um, yeah, over to well whoever whoever came last last week. Off you go. I think it was Lance, then Chris, then myself. Yeah, that's the order we picked them in. So, yeah. yeah. So what I'm going to go with, as it is the 10-year anniversary, I'm going to go with the Nexus. As 11-year-old James was sat in his front room watching Raw, seeing John Cena get absolutely battered by these (laughs) guys, who I did not expect this to happen. I remember Wade Barrett winning NXT and then thinking, oh, well, the other guys have just disappeared. Never mind then, I guess. And then all of them came back that night 
and watching Daniel Bryan choke Justin Roberts with his tie <laughs> was unreal. <laughs> I was sat there in an utter shock. Like an 11-year-old me was, was shocked. I wasn't even like booing or upset. I just sat there and thought, oh my God, what? <laughs> and then the ring being pulled up as well, thinking that's the first time I've ever seen the underside of a ring. It just blew my mind. It was unreal. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Joel and Isaac's probably favourite match to go back and watch is the Nexus versus Team Cena at SummerSlam that year. Seven on seven. So, yeah. I think of the how many thousand views they've got on YouTube, probably a thousand of them. Oh, Joel and Isaac. It's their favourite <laughs> match to go watch. <laughs> so, I'm going to go for um, Kevin Hall and. Kevin Hall, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash, <laughs> <laughs> as, as the outsiders um, going to, to WCW. So um, they left WWE on the promise of more money. Um, Bischoff presented it as if Vince McMahon had sent them his top stars to destroy WWE, WCW from within. They dubbed them the outsiders. Um, Hall and Nash were torn WCW, saying that there's a third man who will tear the company down from within. And then at uh, Bash of the Beach night six, the man was revealed as Hulk Hogan, probably the most shocking angle of all time, when he dropped um, his patented leg drop on Randy Savage, turning heel for the first time since the early, early 80s, I think. And then, yeah, the formation of the world, New World Order. So, yeah, the NWO then became one of the most influential forces in the late 90s, which saw WCW beat... Uh, WWF for it was 83 weeks in a row on television ratings. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. I don't want to go into any feuds they had, but I think it's their influence on the, the in wrestling as a whole, how how popular, how they got it into the mainstream, must mean it's the best invasion angle of all time. Even though Kevin Nash hadn't hadn't really been sent by Vince, it was just a, <laughs> it was just an Eric bit because Bischoff then. Join the NWO, but yeah, the NWO best invasion. So I'm going to go um, most recent. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm going to go most recent out of the two. Um, just, I was just trying to think. Obviously, good ones that didn't turn into an angle, and I've actually changed. No, no, I'm going to go with this, change my mind throughout this podcast, but I'm going to go with this, I'm going to go for the, the birth of the man, uh, Becky Lynch, when SmackDown yes. invaded Raw. Um, fantastic um, episode of Raw, but more so the fact that Ronda Rousey is this incredible woman, has rarely been beaten down whatsoever. Um, SmackDown women, the SmackDown women absolutely turned up on Raw and dismantled the female uh, wrestlers on Raw. Uh, but more importantly, Becky had Ronda Rousey in the, um, obviously in the, I'm about to say the armbar, but that's not her move. What's it called? The, what's Becky's move called? She's only been gone a month. The, the, the disarmor. The disarmor. Becky had Ronda Rousey in the disarmor backstage. Then they came out with Raw. Then SmackDown obviously won the battle. Then you saw they, they certainly Raw left a piece of their Becky with that 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 photo, I will say, of her obviously bleeding from the nose thanks to a Nile Jacks box, obviously, um, at the top of the um, stand. Um, 
just an iconic moment, probably one of the best invasions out of the... When you do have these raw smackdowns that we've seen over the last sort of few years, this was the best one. One that kind of we didn't see coming. It wasn't planned. Like It's not like we saw in the whole of the 2019 rivalries where everyone kept coming out at the start of the show going, well, the door's open, they're more than welcome to come in. Um, <laughs> 2017, I think that was quite a cool one as well with Shane McMahon um, putting Raw under siege. Um, so, and then um, 2016, again, they were invited, SmackDown were invited to Raw. But um, but no, just um, an iconic moment, the birth of the man. So that's how I hope it's going to go on the, per- on the pole, the birth yeah. of the man. Um, <laughs> but no, just, um, yeah, a really good invasion. Well, so the best invasion they've done in the Raw SmackDown feuds, in my opinion. Cool. So your choices are the Nexus, the birth of the NWO, SmackDown invades Raw, two thousand eighteen. So on Wednesday, <coughs> sorry, on Wednesday lunchtime, I'll put a poll up on our Twitter, BBG Wrestling, and the winner will get to pick next week's debate. So uh, before we go, Lance, do you, any T-shirts you want to promote or anything you want to promote? My- my t-shirts are still available from lunchrevera12.bigcartel.com if anybody wants to get their hands on some just get on there now yeah, still sizes available yeah I'm not I'm not wearing it this week I've got my Will Ospreay t-shirts on this week <laughs> I can't believe you're cheating I've got my Mark Davis Dunkzilla shirt on oh, I, nearly, I nearly had my Aussie Open shirt on it was this uh, just I this can't one believe didn't you both cheated on me like this. <laughs> 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 so as well, we have plenty of interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks, but we've released so many recently. <laughs> uh, so since Friday, we've released interviews with Dougie Williams, Tyson Jukes, Mike from Res- uh, Retromania, Sunset Skip, Anti-Valkyrie. <laughs> five interviews for five days. <laughs> so, um, this Friday, we have an interview with Mad Doc O'Doherty. And on Sunday, we have an interview with former WWF tag team champion, uh, Fred Ottman. So you'd know him as Tugboat or Typhoon or the Shockmaster. And many, many gimmicks over the years. So I'm really, really excited for that one. So if you really enjoy our show, follow us on Twitter, BBG Wrestling, or check out our website, bbgwrestling.com. Good night. Good night. Good night.